0: hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the roadie on the horn podcast my name donovan donnie you call me whatever you want i'm here with roadkill ryan you call him whatever you want rk what's going on how's your day going you know, I'm doing good today.
1: Donnie, you know, just another a great weekend of sports action. October, uh, again, has been an awesome month. It's been a fun month for podcasts and football and baseball, World Series action, uh, as well as hockey and basketball getting underway. It's made for a fun last couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, excited to, to get things going again uh, here in this show.
0: Absolutely. We've got some things to talk about. Not as packed of a week as we've had previously. I'm sure next week's will be an interesting discussion given the fact that uh, there's a lot going on uh, this week in baseball especially we got the World Series going on uh, we've got Monday Night Football but what we can talk about is the weekend behind us uh, starting with the NFL unfortunately RK we have to we have to mention the Eagles and Giants both did not win at the same time this week um, the Eagles obviously did the Eagles have not lost yet this year the Eagles have not really had any trouble playing football this year there's been there's been minor hiccups for the Eagles, but not a whole lot. And I will definitely say there is no hiccup in this week at all. There was no surprise. Um, I think everybody was pretty much expecting, oh, the Steelers are going to have a lot of trouble moving the ball. Um, they didn't really do a whole lot of anything until, like, later in the game, more garbage time. And even then, they couldn't really score. Uh, second half was, was a very rough – the whole game was really rough for them regardless. But the Eagles came out. A.J. Brown had yet another – very, very good week. Uh, it seems like as you mentioned last week, they always have somebody stepping up to do Jalen Hurts' bidding, whether it's uh, we've seen A.J. Brown now three three times this year have big games. Devontae Smith has been really good when A.J. Brown has not been uh, very apparent. Dallas Goddard is almost always a consistent pass catcher in the offense. The run game yet again, Miles Sanders doesn't touch the ball that that much, makes a huge difference in the game. It just it's amazing to me to watch this Eagles team especially given the fact that they were not that good last year. This was a good football team last year, but they were not this clearly dominant, clearly like that much better than everybody they play as soon as they go out there. I think you can pretty easily say the Eagles and the Bills are the favorites out of their each each of their respective conferences at this point. But so far 7 and 0, we're talking about an Eagles team that, you know, Jalen Hurts has silenced the critics pretty much. Uh, it, it's been it's been almost a perfect season so far for the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, this one was uh was a really sweet win for the Eagles. We really saw Jalen hurts passing ability come through. Uh, I think one of the, you know, the best games we've seen from him using his arm uh, really in his NFL career, had a couple of gorgeous throws to AJ Brown uh, on three different touchdown passes and all of them seem to be just kind of those uh, maybe 50, 50, maybe even less than 50, 50 balls. Some of them were even in double coverage with Micah Fitzpatrick closing in closely on AJ Brown, but he was still able to come away. Uh, uh, with three touchdowns in the game overall. Zach Pascal also had uh, a receiving touchdown from Jalen Hurts in this game. So that was obviously very good to see. Nice to see Hurts continue to develop a little bit as a passer. Uh, you know, Eagles coming off a bye, were able to be pretty healthy. Had Jordan Mailata out there, full uh, complement of offensive weapons. Um, so the Eagles really, you know, no excuses. They were able to, uh, you know, come through, have a strong game. That's kind of what we had hoped coming into the year. We knew Jalen Hurts was surrounded by a little bit more weapons, uh, especially with the addition of AJ Brown so it's obviously really nice to see them you know in a game that they expect to win at this point of their season and uh, you know they really didn't have too many issues with Pittsburgh uh, overall the only slight thing that was a little negative in this game was that Jordan Davis got injured their superstar rookie defensive tackle um, who's had an outstanding year so far so it seems like he'll be out a, a couple of weeks probably about four to six uh, is what I saw from Ian Rappaport. So that's obviously a little bit too bad, but uh, if there's any position the Eagles have a lot of depth in, it's that defensive line spot. Uh, guys like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave have been really strong in the middle of that defense this year too. So uh, hopefully they can get Davis back in uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, the Eagles are really kind of clicking on all cylinders and uh quick turnaround for them a short week this week, and they hit the road. Uh, and actually Jalen Hurts will be going back home to Houston uh, as they face off against the Texans uh, this upcoming Thursday. So uh, not necessarily. a a too tough of an opponent there but um was nice to see the eagles take care of business even get their starters a little bit of rest in that fourth quarter with a sizable lead and um yeah the
0: train just really keeps rolling for the eagles it's really all looking good right now yeah and i mean even with jordan davis out going out i believe he left in the second quarter i could be mistaken on that but i'm fairly sure that's correct they ended up with six sacks um you know can't really argue with consistent pressure especially against a rookie quarterback you kind of knew that was going to be the mo um as everybody has pretty much game plan. Kenny Pickett this year, uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, just, just what we, we can touch on the other side of Pennsylvania real quick. He's, he's grinding, man. It's, it's not pretty. It's not an exciting offense. Uh, Najee Harris looks pretty, pretty rough. I would say pretty, pretty tough uh, for a guy that I think a lot of people had really high expectations coming into the year. Um, on the other hand, you know, the Eagles had all these, there, there's not many negatives in the Eagles, there's not many positives from the Steelers in this one. And, and you gotta be thinking like, this is the first time I can remember the Steelers being this bad. Like, we're talking 2-6, and six, uh, and it's not going to get any better. Probably They're still got to play their division quite a few times this year. I believe they haven't played the Ravens yet this year. That could be two losses pretty easily. Uh, Bengals and Browns, especially with the Browns late in the season with Deshaun Watson back. We're talking about a, D- a Steelers team that could very well maybe compete for the number one pick this year, which is, in my mind at least, I wouldn't have told you, yeah, you know, I got to said, oh, maybe 5-6 win season, probably like the 5th-6 pick. But they are really just like, Texans bad
1: yeah I uh, I definitely agree with that and it is certainly a little bit surprising considering you know there's some individual players on this team that are still very good unfortunately T.J. Watt still out with injury uh, hopefully they can get him back after the bye but uh, yeah kind of to your point uh, it's been a struggle on the offensive side I think the offensive line for Pittsburgh has really been a, uh, a struggle point for them because uh, they do still have some good playmakers on the outside you mentioned Najee Harris despite not having as great uh, of a season as he had hoped Uh, You know, still a a former first round running back and a guy, I think, very highly up. Pat Fryermuse had good moments this year coming on as a starting tight end in the NFL. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson out wide. But, uh, you know, still there's kind of just some issues with the Steelers. You mentioned the sacks, uh, you know, six against Kenny Pickett um, really just kind of highlights the offensive line struggles for Pittsburgh that have really kind of held them back, uh, you know, all season long, I would say.
0: Yeah, and you know, you have to expect this is going to be a team that goes through quite a lot of change over the next couple of years. Obviously, uh, when you have a a star quarterback for for 15 years, the next couple of years after, it's probably not going to be super pretty. But yeah, we saw the Steelers had a very tough time. Uh, Another team that had a very tough time just converting, doing anything correctly, was the New York Giants, which is a little bit surprising given the fact that we talked about just last week. You know, you're going into the fourth quarter. This week, we were talking about a tide game going the fourth quarter um or maybe they were down three but they tied it up at the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter and things did not go very well uh for the giants after that or even before that you can pretty much argue like uh, as useless as a game offensively as they've had all year pretty much for anybody we're talking about uh daniel jones had like 42 yards in the first half which is never going to win you a football game saquon barkley touched the ball eight times in the first half 20 some 26 yards I believe, you know, not ideal. Uh, They went out there, they played a, a, what ended up being a very tight game until, uh, you know, some special teams errors. Richie James had two fumbles uh, on special teams plays. Uh, You get four punts the entire game. You fumble two of them. You give great field position both times to the opposite team. Uh, You're not probably not going to win that game. And on the other hand, like it pains me to say it, it's really tough. Geno Smith, man. Like, Shout out to Geno Smith, former Giant, obviously. We saw him ruin the streak Eli had going. Um, But Geno Smith has really put himself in in a position where you can be like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe Geno Smith is a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. Like, it's crazy because let's be real here. Like, how old do you think Geno Smith is? Take a guess here. Oh, man. Uh, He's like 30 at this point. He's 32. And this is the first time in his career you're like, hell yeah, this Geno Smith guy is really good. That's crazy, is it not?
1: Yeah, I mean he's definitely had quite the uh, career journey. Uh you know, coming out of uh you know, West Virginia second round pick, high expectations with the Jets never really comes to fruition kind of bounces around as a backup goes over to seattle you still kind of think all right well they just traded for drew lock here in this russell wilson trade are we sure if you know geno smith's even going to be the guy and he's been really good honestly it's been uh you know i think the seahawks have kind of been one of the big surprises in the nfl this season uh you know we kind of looked at that division in the nfc west okay you got the defending champs uh with the rams you still have Uh, Teams like the 49ers and the Cardinals, who can you know churn out points, and the offense seems to come pretty easily for those teams. And it's still Seattle that stands at the top of the division at this point. And um, you know, I don't think it even looks all that fluky. It seems like they've been playing pretty solid football, um, which is definitely kind of surprising. Uh, Not necessarily what I expected coming in, but I think you got to give them a lot of credit. And I think they are in a position where it's like, hey, if they can kind of keep this up for a little bit longer, uh, you know, they should be able to get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think about too, because Pete Carroll, like I was saying at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe Pete Carroll has a tough year and he retires. Like that was that was definitely a thought in my mind. I was thinking, you know, Pete Carroll probably uh does not want to deal with this. However, I think you can argue, and we're, and we're talking eight weeks in the season. It's not like a necessarily narrative talking point here, but Russell Wilson has left Seattle. He's been abysmal. He's been really tough. Uh Geno Smith out of nowhere just Steps into a spot where I don't think people were expecting Gitos with to win the job. Even I think drew lock would have been the expected, at least like realistically for the team moving forward. You want to see what the younger quarterback has to do. And instead we're talking about a Seahawks team that even after all of this fuckery, I think you could say with Russell over the last like two, three years, it feels like this is a Seahawks team that goes out and wins close games. We saw it against the Chargers, which is crazy. They went out and pretty much, beat down the Chargers defense, at least, you know, Kenneth Walker had an unbelievable game a week before. They totally stymied Kyler Murray, which is, I guess, not super hard to do at this point. It feels like the Cardinals are very hit or miss, but the Seahawks are doing everything right. Pete Carroll has done an amazing job, a, a spectacular job. And I think we have to sit here and like the Seahawks are not a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but they are a legitimate like This is an NFL team that could very well be good and uh, better than the Rams, better than the Niners. I wouldn't have really guessed it at eight weeks in the season that they're leading the NFC West.
1: No, I certainly would not have, uh, either. And, uh, yeah, they've certainly been a big surprise. You also factor in that Jamal Adams out for the year, you know, a guy that they, you know, formerly traded a couple of first round picks to go get, um, it's kind of been some of their younger defensive backs, um, that have kind of stepped up for him this year. We know about kind of the Legion of, uh, boom that they had for so long, but you know, it's a lot of new guys now. I, I think Tariq Wool and the rookie out of UTSA, uh, has really kind of caught a lot of eyes, uh, you know, a guy that had kind of the raw traits got good speed, good size goes to Seattle. Uh, a team that kind of is known for taking some of those raw prospects and turning them into good players, giving them an opportunity. And I think Tariq Woolen has kind of been the big guy that has kind of stood out for me as giving Seattle a big boost on their defense. Uh, the rookies looked really good so far this year. So a lot of things to like with Seattle, definitely agree with you, not willing to say they're kind of, uh, you know, favorites to win the NFC by any means, but uh, at least as of this point, they've, you know, earned enough respect to where, Hey, okay, they're going to be competing to, uh, you know, get into the postseason this year, which is certainly not what we expected coming into the year at all.
0: Absolutely. I definitely agree there. And I think, you know, um I'm sure we'll talk about the Seahawks moving forward because you have to say this is like one of the top two or three stories in the league this year in terms of like a total turnaround. Beginning of the year, there there were some books makers, some books, some odds makers saying they were going to win four games. And you you have already with with nine games left in the season, they've already passed that how absolutely spectacular Pete Carroll has been, how absolutely spectacular the player development has been with the young players it's amazing Uh, I guess you can even shift over to other teams in the league that have not been able to get it done in a comparison to a Seahawks team that is is seriously not anywhere close to in terms of talent Uh, and we can talk about the Packers we talked about the Packers a couple times this year it has not been a pretty season for Aaron Rodgers they're sitting at three and five so maybe not willing to say that they're out of it but you know at this point in the season, if you're not at least 500 or, or are sitting close to a playoff spot, uh, in the same position as the Buccaneers, who are also three and five, wouldn't have wouldn't have guessed that. Rams are three and four, but the Packers go out there pretty much lay a goose egg uh, against the Bills. Did not look very good until the end of the game when they got a they got a nice touchdown at the end of the game, uh, outside of a Romeo Dobbs catch, uh, which was incredible. I don't know if you you uh, paid much attention to uh, Sunday Night Football with all that was going on in sports, but like. You know, the Aaron Rodgers can't really blame his receivers. They seem like they played a decent enough game. And, you know, even holding the Bills to 27 is, like, okay. It's, like, not that bad, right?
1: Yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I overall, you know, I kind of look at them and say, all right, they still have a good, you know, running back duo. Aaron Jones had a really strong game in this game on Sunday night football, but even still, it just doesn't seem like there's enough juice on the offensive side. Uh, it just seems like there's just kind of a bad vibe after Devontae Adams left, um, where it's like Rodgers is like, man, like I threw to this guy so much. He was my go-to target, no issues. He could always kind of rely on him in those big situations and to represent a big bulk of their offense. But without that big of a threat on the outside, side. Uh, I think that the Packers offense has really kind of struggled this year since you know breaking in a lot of these newer receivers you mentioned Romeo Dobbs Christian Watson as well has been banged up with some injuries Sammy Watkins same deal Uh, so there's just kind of been a lot of up and down uh, when it comes to the receiver position for the Packers and I would even say you did mention that 27 points is pretty solid and you know defending the Buffalo offense but overall I I thought the Packers were you know came into this year and I was expecting this to be one of the top defenses in the entire NFL they added two first round uh, you know defensive players from Georgia this year with Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt but uh, I still thought that the Packers you know defense was really going to kind of carry them I thought that they would be able to kind of offset the loss of a guy like Devontae Adams because their defense was so strong and it hasn't necessarily been the case to where their defense is holding everybody to you know below 10 points per game or anything like that nature so I do think it's kind of an all-around thing with the Packers I do think they certainly can turn it around obviously the Vikings have started off really strong but uh, you know that's those wild card positions in the NFC are kind of all up for grabs seems like seems you mentioned the Rams and also Tampa Bay that, you know, we thought were kind of locked for the playoffs haven't necessarily gotten off to super hot starts out of playoff positions now. So a lot of season left for the Packers to still be able to make it, especially in a bad division, you know, their game next uh, week upcoming is against the lions. So as a team, they've obviously had a lot of success against and another team is really struggling. So far from a position where I'm willing to, you know, cancel the the Packers and the bucks uh, you know, and the Rams for and saying they're done. They certainly have an opportunity to turn it around, but with four straight losses, for the Packers in specific uh, you know they're going to need to come up with some answers quick and uh, who knows maybe they'll be active around the trade deadline which is not something we typically see from a team like the Packers they obviously like to develop their own talent it's always kind of been their MO even acquiring free agents has been something they haven't done necessarily a ton of but uh, you know it kind of seems like there may be a time uh, you know like the present for the Packers to go out and maybe look to get uh, you know a veteran before the trade deadline uh, you know this week but we'll so see uh, you know four straight losses for the Packers definitely uh, need to turn it around quick if they do want to have that chance to you know get one of those wild card spots for the playoffs
0: yeah you know we're talking about a Packers team that's currently 11th in the NFC uh, tied with the Cardinals the Saints the Bears the Buccaneers a couple teams that have been outside of the Bears pretty much all underperforming I think you could have said at the beginning of the year Saints Cardinals Packers Bucks, playoff teams not really much of a question they're at least like competitive with. Uh, the seven team playoff this year. Uh, now they find themselves behind teams like the Rams, Washington at four and four, the 49ers at four and four, the Giants are at six and two, Cowboys at six and two. You have to think like making up three games of of a cushion behind these teams with with only eight games left to play is almost impossible, right? Like this is it's pretty close to like they're going to be really having to grind it out for the rest of the year because they're not going to win all their games. Like that's almost a guarantee. We're going to see the Packers lose three more games at the very least, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely putting a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, things he's faced earlier in his career, and he certainly has turned it around. But like I said, it just kind of seems like, you know, things aren't necessarily all fully clicking, uh, you know, for the Packers right now. Um, You know, even in in positions of strength, like I thought it would be so far with the defense. So time for them to turn it around. But, uh, you know, they need to to kind of get things going here pretty quickly. And, and, you know, it's going to have to start this weekend against Detroit. That's obviously what I would say is a must-win game for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think just, just to touch on the Bills real quickly, obviously, you kind of know um, the way they were talking, the Stefan Diggs, Jair Alexander um, commentary before the game was a little bit interesting. Obviously, yeah. these guys are running out on the field together, yelling at each right. other. Like, why, how is that? How is that even allowed? How is that possible? Why are we, why are we, that should, that's like a safety concern, is it not?
1: Yeah, I don't know how that ended up happening. Especially there was a video circling around uh, uh, between uh, a Michigan and Michigan State like kind of brawl that was going on before. That kind of was a similar, similar vibe, similar situation there with Diggs and Alexander. But uh, Diggs still had himself a good game, over 100 yards and a score. He just continues to cook. I mean, Stephon Diggs has is, is really been one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL over the last uh, you know couple of years. He and Josh Allen have a really good thing going on, and not many people have been able to stop him. Even a top corner like Jair Alexander, um, you know, was able to, you know, give up a little bit to Diggs in this game. So, uh yeah, that was kind of an interesting little uh exchange before the game, but uh you know, it ends up being Diggs and the Bills who, who come away with uh with the last laugh in that one.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And I guess before we move on completely to uh, you know, trades and stuff we can talk about college football real quick uh and just talk about the Michigan-Michigan State brawl because as you as anybody expects when Michigan plays Michigan State at this point, Michigan's probably going to roll them uh year in, year out. Uh it's what happened this year. Michigan State played a very poor game offensively after the first quarter. Uh, I was watching a little bit. They didn't run the ball at all. It felt like it was just a complete, um, we're going to try to throw the ball down the field and it's not going to work. Game plan, all game. Uh, obviously Michigan was a little bit ready for that. Blake Corum once again, uh, just, just carrying a college football team. And I guess it's not surprising. Blake Corum is very good. We talked about it weeks in week and week out here. Uh, and then after the game, obviously there's a brawl where a couple players like, I I think there's four players that got suspended from, from Michigan state at this point um, for, for uh, it's, it's like really strange, like a gang beating of a, of a Michigan player um, in in the locker room. Again, don't know why they're walking together to the locker room. Don't know how they ended up anywhere close to each other. Don't know where the security was in this manner. Don't know why anybody didn't like jump in to stop it. Uh, And when you get to the point where Jim Harbaugh saying, yeah, I expect for these four players to get arrested, like, we're, we're, that's that's like so crazy serious because I, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh does not want to say that about 20, 21, 22, 23-year-old student athletes of, of a rival school who uh, probably end up playing again next year in all yeah. likelihood. I think that's like the craziest part of all this is like this is just setting up for, for absolute chaos in the future.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild, and it's also just kind of a major design flaw in Michigan Stadium. How both teams just always pile into the same tunnel. Like we run into this issue when Ohio State's playing there every year, or Penn State sometimes, that <laughs> you know gives Michigan some struggles. And here we go, another rivalry: Michigan State, Michigan. Both teams coming out of the same tunnel at the same time, and uh, yeah, we we had a, a pretty crazy video there with uh, uh you know those skirmishes and whatnot. But yeah, that's just kind of always a thing at Michigan Stadium that like it'll it'll pop its head around every couple of years, and you're like, yeah that that happens sometimes and and yeah that was just the most recent example when uh when michigan state went down there and yeah kind of got beat up you mentioned blake quorum on the field had a really good game he's uh you know continued to really impress um you know getting better even what was a really strong season for him last year his sophomore year um he's even continued to excel his game uh you know this year he's been a really really fun player to watch but um yeah that, that was kind of an interesting little uh little sequence there michigan continues to roll though they look really good um you know setting up for a really really fun matchup in a couple of weeks when they face off against the buckeyes and columbus
0: yeah you know obviously uh we're having an interesting little college football season here where i wouldn't have necessarily said i was looking forward to college football i don't think anybody would have told you that tennessee would be as good as they are Um, i don't don't think anybody would have told you that tennessee would end up being number two throughout the year this late especially um crazy to think about i don't think anybody told you alabama was going to fall outside the top five and stay outside the top five for multiple weeks um uh, but I, I guess at this point college football is college football. That is what it is. But I I guess we can look forward to what will what should very well be um game of the year potential, you, you would assume at least. Uh, you know, one two matchup regular season. We're talking like absolute banger football game. I, I just wanna hear first off, like, this Tennessee team is clearly not a fluke. This Tennessee team is clearly very good. Uh outside of a couple weird defensive games you're not really going to stop Alabama it's kind of just like a fact of matter is you're going to have to outscore them to win the game it's going to have to be a high scoring game to beat Alabama uh, and I guess a lot of those SEC games end up being that way but you get to this point where you are undefeated through eight weeks you're playing the other undefeated the only team that's considered better than you at all in the entire country Um, first off like Tennessee have a chance against this Georgia team because I, I from every time I watch Georgia, they are just significantly better than everybody else they play outside of the one little blunder they had against Missouri that was ended up being a very tight game in uh, in a, a Stetson Bennett kind of uh, eh performance. And we've seen Georgia just absolutely just destroy everybody. It's it, you can't even say another word because they absolutely dominate everybody they've played.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Georgia, they are just kind of a team. They beat you in so many different ways, Um, you know, with the rushing attack, whether it's, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett making some plays off play action, getting it to Brock Bowers or some of their weapons outside, their defense. We know how studs, uh, you know, they have just, you know, they had a ridiculous amount of first round talent and they still have, um, you know, just an unbelievable defense at Georgia. But yeah, I think Tennessee at this point, uh, you know, we got to give them a lot of respect. Herndon Hooker, their quarterback is developing a really, really good connection with Jalen Hyatt uh, out at receiver. And they've been probably one of the most dynamite QB receiver duos uh, in the country this year. So uh, if Jalen Hayek can continue to keep producing, I, I really think that they are, could give Georgia a really good run for their money this year. I think that, you know, win against Alabama really kind of proved that, uh, you know, they can take on some of these top dogs, a team like Georgia, where, you know, they're going to need to win this game. If they even want a chance to compete in their conference championship, the SEC title game. Uh, usually we talk about the SEC West as kind of the big powerhouse, but here it is the SEC East and uh, usually it's Georgia, Florida, but, but here it's Georgia, Tennessee, uh, you know, in this year coming down to, uh, you know, a big pivotal game uh, at Georgia in Athens uh, this weekend. So should be really fun to watch. I know Georgia, uh, you know, they obviously know well about Jalen Hyatt and a five touchdown game against Alabama and even had a big play against Kentucky last weekend, who has had a pretty good season, uh, you know, before getting stomped on to Tennessee this week. So, yeah, it's certainly been one of the biggest surprises that Tennessee has been, you know, a, a national title contender, which, uh, you know, normally we would kind of act as a fluke in this situation but I think it is kind of to the point where we're like okay wow if Tennessee can go on and beat Georgia in this game uh you know we really are looking at you know the number one team in the country being Tennessee so um you know it, it should be really interesting I think it'll be a close game uh between these two teams but uh the fact that it is in Georgia uh I do think that they have a little bit more depth a little bit more well-rounded team a little bit more of a you know we've been here before uh kind of aura obviously as the defending national champ so I predict Georgia will win the game but I do think it'll be closer uh than the eight 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 and a half point spread um which i just checked on uh earlier today uh has it at right now
0: yeah i think you know eight and a half is it seems like a little bit of a stretch it always seems like when, one and two how are you having a right. nine point come on now like it, it, but again you know I, I think we have to sit here and talk about it. this may be the best georgia defense like we've ever seen and it like last year's team was so freaking good yeah uh, and this year it seems like other than like like I said, the game against Missouri, they haven't really given up points to anybody. Like they played Florida, they gave up twenty. It's whatever. Uh, South Carolina put up seven on them. Oregon with Bo Nix, who was having a Heisman esque season after what he, what happened week one, they held the Nix to 173 yards and two picks, no touchdowns, 49 to three against. It's crazy to me to to see this team, because I think the biggest storyline coming the year for Georgia football was, is the defense going to be as good as last year? And I think they've already proven they're not only as good as last year, but like, I don't want to say better because it's a little bit of a stretch, but like as I've been watching a little bit, a little bit of football, like Keely Ringo, for example. Yeah, um, you're getting production out of these guys. He's young too. I think he's a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there, yeah,
1: redshirt sophomore. You
0: th- you throw a redshirt sophomore in there. Usually, redshirt sophomores are not that lock solid great at everything they do. Yet it seems like this Georgia team, even like it's weird to say, but their rotational guys are like better than anybody on the other team, and it's it's nuts to say because they play such good competition.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned like we were wondering about a little bit of a drop off, uh, you know, on that defense. We knew about Ringo coming back uh, as going to be, you know, one of the studs. Jalen Carter, uh, interior defensive lineman, you know, projected to go, you know, probably top five in the NFL draft this year. So uh, they still have a lot of really good players. Nolan Smith as well is a pretty nice edge rusher for him. I've liked watching him play um, during his time at Georgia. But yeah, just the the uh, just the pure depth. The recruiting at Georgia is just outstanding like they just can flock in these absolute unbelievable uh stud talents left and right so uh, that's kind of why I err on the side of of liking Georgia in a game like this. I just think they're a little bit more well rounded, and uh, that matchup between uh, Keely Ringo at corner and Jalen Hyatt at receiver—that's um, basically like an, a you know a prime NFL Sunday uh, matchup. That's kind of like a Stefan Diggs, Jair Alexander on a, on a college football Saturday right there. So that's going to be must watch TV, uh, really good watch for uh, NFL draft scouting uh, going into this year as well. So can't wait for that individual matchup between Ringo and Hyatt, and you know the overall game between number one and number two uh tennessee at georgia this coming saturday
0: yeah definitely interesting i have very much enjoyed watching college football this year usually i don't have much time for it, but with work and such i kind of have to pay attention and it's pushed me in a direction where i can really start to enjoy like learning prospects obviously i'll never be on the level of rk here so if anybody listening is, is taking my opinion seriously um you know maybe maybe walk that back a little bit but it, it's really spectacular it's been really interesting to watch college football this year and and i think you know Sometimes you've been telling me for the years, like college football, it may be better than the NFL, like pretty regularly. And I'm, I'm really enjoying just like even when Miami goes out there, I guess we can touch on Miami real quick. You know, big 14 to 12 victory. You'll to see it. They went to four overtimes, put up 14 points and won a football game. But even with Miami bad, I could still enjoy college football because there's such good football, It's just such a good product. And maybe we haven't even seen that good of a product in the NFL this year.
1: Yeah, I think that uh it's fair to see. And I think it's really only kind of hitting its uh its peak times. Uh, you know, especially among the, you know, legitimate, you know, championship contending teams in college football. You know, the Ohio State, Michigan game coming up, you know, this Saturday with Tennessee and Georgia. We know Alabama is still kind of lurking uh a big game against LSU this week to see if they can, you know, kind of lock up their spot in the SEC title game themselves. The ACC with Clemson's defense being as rock solid as it is, uh makes them a really fun watch. Uh, you know, teams in the pack twelve has a little bit of depth, UCLA, USC, Utah. Uh, those teams have all been really fun to watch this year too. Uh, and even the Big 12, teams like TCU uh, and Oklahoma State uh, have kind of had their moments as well this year where uh, where they've been really fun to watch. So um, yeah, it's been good, well-rounded uh, college football action. I know Oklahoma State kind of got uh, torched this upcoming. This oh, it was past fun. Saturday. Um, but yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise, uh, at least for me in that one. But, uh, before this week, it had been Oklahoma state doing good, but yeah, it's been good. Uh, been good action in, uh, in college football. And yeah, as we said, a lot of good games coming up, uh, starting with one verse two, uh, you know, coming up this weekend.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, just one more thing going on in the world of football. We have the NFL trade deadline coming up. I believe it's tomorrow. Uh, we're recording Monday. Uh, it's currently 5. PM, a little bit after 5. PM, um, on a Monday, Halloween but the NFL trade deadline could be interesting this year. I feel like we've already seen like Christian McCaffrey was moved, Robert Quinn was moved even today, um we had an interesting move involving Roquan Smith to Baltimore. Always seems like Baltimore is up to up to something like this grabbing these players. Um maybe not at this point in the season, but uh first off before you talk about the NFL trade deadline, some guys that may be available like Roquan Smith to Baltimore for a 2 and a 5 seems so pretty good even if it's just like a like a 8 9 10 week rental like You're talking about a guy that at his peak is about as good as anybody in the league when it comes to what he does great.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Just absolutely flies uh, around the ball. Super athletic linebacker really fits in well with what the Ravens like to do on defense. Just kind of fits that athletic prowess uh, as well as kind of those football instincts. I always love uh, the Ravens for, you know, their scouting. I think their evaluation process is really strong uh, as well as obviously their coaching led with uh, by John Harbaugh. So thought that was a really good add to grab Roquan Smith, you know, not give up a first round pick as well uh, in that deal. You know, there's been some up and downs this year with the Ravens. They've had uh, and definitely their challenges when it comes to injury injuries but uh, I think that Smith will definitely give them a big add and a big boost and uh, especially in a division that you know maybe I initially thought um, was going to be a little bit stronger maybe thought that teams like Cleveland and Pittsburgh would give up a little bit more of a fight than we've seen Cincinnati you know kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start so Baltimore probably looking at themselves and saying yeah we can probably win this division and if we add a little bit more with Roquan Smith uh, we can really put ourselves not only in a position to you know win uh, the AFC North but um, you know maybe even win a couple of games in the playoffs um, you know alongside that
0: yeah I definitely agree and it's gonna be interesting obviously like uh, at 4 p.m eastern time is the deadline tomorrow hopefully we can get this up I'll probably end up putting this up tonight so we will be on time for that but we have seen I think we're, we're sitting at what may be the most interesting names a uh, group of names we had at the trade deadline a long time like I you can't go anywhere you can't listen to anything football related football related news about hearing about like bradley chubb jerry judy, judy josh allen uh brandon cooks apparently they're looking for like a first or second rounder for him which is crazy to think about brian burns maybe out there uh, usually we don't see these trades happen at this point usually trades like uh, with, with the big name players are not necessarily like that easy to facilitate at this point in the year but like could we potentially see like a, a maybe a more active trade deadline given the fact that we've already seen what I I it has to be like five or six decent trades so far? Like even James Robinson seemed like a, we talked about last week like a pretty surprising ad.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good point. I think maybe there's been a, a few more teams than expected that have gotten off to, you know, really, really slower starts, Um, you know, kind of teams like Carolina and Detroit, Uh, we maybe expected to kind of be in positions like this. We weren't necessarily as high on them coming into the season, but a team like the Raiders, for example, you know, only two wins, two and five on the year. Uh, you know they made some big splashes this offseason going after Devontae Adams, going after Chandler Jones, just have not gotten the results that they obviously uh, had been looking for. So they could kind of be another team to kind of keep an eye on to see. If they can trade some of their defensive backs or a guy like Josh Jacobs as well as a free agent at the end of this year. So um, that's kind of where I have uh, a little bit of an eye on uh, specifically when it comes to the Raiders as kind of a team that, you know, maybe we didn't expect to be in this position, but here they are. So uh, it's nice that the NFL trade deadline is starting to pick up. I feel like over the last couple of years, it started to get a little bit more buzz, a little bit more action around the league um, as teams have kind of seen that, you know, formula of trading a veteran for a mid round pick and saying, yeah, we can really kind of increase the value uh, of, of a need we have right now or, uh, a playoff push we're trying to make. Um, so it's nice to see uh, a lot of other sports were way ahead of the NFL on that one, but uh, trade deadline has been a little bit more active in recent years. And this year is no exception with uh, the Roquan Smith deal being the most recent one for us here at Time of recording
0: Yeah, for those who decide to listen to us every week, you know, the NFL trade deadline is not anywhere near as popping as the NHL trade deadline, which is always really just uh, baseball there, as
1: well. Uh, I baseball, think too. Baseball's there.
0: crazy, yeah. dude. Um, It'd be nice to see football, and, and it won't be basketball. You'll never get out of basketball with how how the salaries work. But football, it feels like there's definitely potential for like uh, every year to have a Christian McCaffrey-esque deal. Obviously, there's not Christian McCaffrey-esque players everywhere, but sure. there's always bad teams that have good players. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think you know next week we'll be talking about potentially a big move tomorrow you have to think there's at least something else coming with all these names that have been on the board and all these teams that have underperformed as mentioned before the Raiders you can even put teams like the Broncos the Patriots in that category I think you can definitely argue that the Patriots should have been better. They have a couple of receivers that may be pretty exciting for teams. Um, the Broncos obviously have like half their roster that could be good for other teams, not good for them, uh, not riding very well, but yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to talk about the NFL trade next week. I'm sure we'll do a little bit of a recap if anything does happen, but what we can get to finally is what I would say is it just it maybe going to be a seven game world series. Maybe I don't think it's crazy to say that we could be seeing like a really, really uh, a surprisingly great matchup. I, you know, I have a hard time believing still in a five game series, the Phillies will knock off the Astros even with three games at home. But after game one, I felt like, I guess we can recap it. Phillies won game one, six, five. It was a really, really good competitive game until the end. The Astros decided, Hey, you know, we're going to turn it on. We're going to send it to, you know, they had guys on base late in the game. Didn't make it work. Obviously five to five going into extras. Um, the, the how home run hitting you know ends up coming up a little bit more clutch for the Phillies and then game two pretty much uh, Astros from the get go they were up five zero for a lot of the game like I think if they gave up the first run in the seventh inning uh, which is more what you'd expect out of the Astros who have an insanely good pitching staff uh, although you know we we did see some people talk about them potentially cheating you know always going to have that with the Astros I think the rest of our lifetime is going to be Astros cheating memes whenever they're in the playoffs and I think that's something we'd have to have to accept but. At this point, we're tied 1-1. Five games left, three games in Philly, and then two games in Houston. First off, before we get anywhere, is there any chance this doesn't go back to Houston? Is there any chance that either team wins three straight?
1: Yeah, I don't see it. I think we will end up getting at least a game six back in Houston. I uh, still probably, you know, realistic side, you know, lean towards Houston. But, you know, how the Phillies battle is really commendable. Like they really just kind of adopted this approach that, hey, we're never out of it. And even in game two, a game they lost and the offense was kind of shut down. You still saw them put a run across in the ninth inning. Like the fighting Phils, it's kind of like a funny joke uh, on Twitter and whatnot. But that's definitely the MO of this team. And they have a pretty deep lineup as well, where uh, even towards the bottom of it, um, guys like Gene Segura have been really good. Alec Bohm has been a really nice uh, bat for the Phillies at times this year. And you still have the the big power at the top of the lineup with guys like Schwarber and Hoskins. And we saw Real Muto have the big home run in game one. So I think that there is a lot to like with the Phillies side of it. I definitely uh, worry about the the pitching uh, on the side of the Phillies just because that's such a big area of strength for the Astros. You know, I, I think their pitching is just first class. Like there's no one even that um, really comes close to, to what the Astros do, uh, at least when it comes to their starting pitching. And I think Presley has been a solid reliever, um, you know, as that closer uh, for the Astros as well. So uh, Phillies, they're going to need to put up runs and really kind of challenge it because uh, I'm just not sure if putting across, you know, two runs is, is going to get it done in any of the games in Philly, um, you know, during this series. So offense is going to need to keep churning. They've done it at times this year. I think it's going to be a battle. I think we will get at least a game six, maybe even a game seven, uh, kind of to your point. But, uh, you know, the fighting fills. Phils, I- I'm pulling for them. Uh, I definitely don't want to see the Astros win, <laughs> uh, to be honest. But um, yeah, I I think realistically, you probably end up seeing the Astros win it, but um, you got to give the Phillies a lot of credit, especially for stealing a game in which Aaron Nola gave up five earned runs in game one. Uh, That was certainly a big win, but, um, you know, three more to go. So uh, at time of recording, it's a 1-1 series, long way to go in the series. And we'll, of course, recap everything uh, next week once it's all wrapped up.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be really interesting. And the Phillies have already announced their game three and four starters. Noah Syndergaard goes down against Lance McCullers, and then Ranger Suarez goes game four. Um, still, just can't get over the fact that Ranger Suarez is, is playing these these He's incredibly incredibly important yeah. crucial 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 playoff games. He's the one that's starting game. It's still kind of just like you know maybe it doesn't sit. We're totally. just going with it. It's weird. It's real weird. <laughs> it this, is. Guy, this guy this guy's pitching on the bullpen last year. Like what's yeah. going on? But. Um, I guess, you know, I, we haven't talked about it, obviously. Noah Syndergaard, he really is just like, I don't know, like the playoffs have been really interesting for him. Yes, he he's given up one run and two appearances, three appearances. Um, He does his job. You know, you're, you're tabbing him in a game three start in what could very well be like the biggest start of his career after starting a World Series game against the Royals and losing a couple of years prior. This is his redemption. This is uh, prime Noah Syndergaard, best opportunity he has to say, hey, you know, I'm still a great pitcher. This is a big game for him, too, given the fact that he is a free agent coming up. Um, We're talking about a potential, like, legacy game for a guy that, uh, just a fun fact here, if you want the the real story behind it, Noah Syndergaard is a Texas kid. Noah Syndergaard, you know, I I don't want to say it because I I don't don't know if there's a, a fandom at this point, but the Houston Astros, you know, when you grow up in that area, when you grow up in Texas, you're probably a fan of, of the team, and it's gonna be really tough. I, I would hate uh, as a Dodgers fan, I would hate to have to pitch against the Dodgers in the World Series because uh-huh. holy hell! Like imagine growing up I- around something your entire life and then having to go out there in uh, against Lance McCullers. Nonetheless, talking about a guy that, you know, if if anything at this point, Lance McCullers when he's on is as good as anybody pitching. It's gonna be really interesting. I hope for uh, I hope for for a good sake for Noah guard because it could be, uh, you know. He's he's had a very rough up and down, you know, career since he left. Um, you know, into the World Series in, in in sadness and despair after losing a, a game where he could have very well won the game had some bad pitches in that game. But uh, what are you thinking first off? Game three, as crucial as a game as there's going to be in this series, no doubt about it. Uh, Phillies end up winning; they will be in a great position. The Phillies end up losing; the series seems to be. Pretty questionable because uh, I don't know if I'm that confident. Ranger Suarez winning game four and then whatever happens game five, who knows?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you know, I think the Phillies going out and acquiring Noah Syndergaard earlier this year from the Angels definitely, you know, comes through for them. You kind of get a guy like Syndergaard because he has pitched in those big games you mentioned with the Mets, you know, has proven himself in the past as being a guy that can, you know, elevate himself and pitch a super high quality game. So uh, obviously the Phillies are hoping he can give them at least, you know, four, five, six five, innings uh, in this game and give themselves a little bit of a chance. And he obviously has a little bit of familiarity with the Astros, you mentioned, you know, from his hometown, but also just pitching with the angels in that division earlier this year you know he has a lot of familiarity with that astros lineup so it can either work for or against him obviously the result will uh will determine that but uh it kind of just brought me back to the trade deadline you know philly's making that kind of big move everyone's like man are they even going to make the playoffs why are you trading away two prospects well here you are in the world series and you find yourself with an opportunity to throw noah synergard out on the mound um you know i think that should be a a really interesting finish Uh, a guy against a guy like lance mccullers who's um you know at his peak you know is just dynamite with great stuff striking out batters left and right but also has potential where he can you know get injured get beat around a little bit Philly's lineup is going to be really important that they kind of get to McCullers early make the Astros go into their bullpen you know make it a long trip in Philly don't make it easy for them uh, you know try and knock out McCullers early and uh, you know see if you can ride Cinder guard for as long as you can and I agree with you you, you really got to kind of look at game three is like hey we got we got to win this game we got to make sure we set the tone in Philly the crowd's going to be bumping we want to set the thing up uh, right so that way we have you know obviously an opportunity to close it out in philly but at the least just retake back the series lead
0: yeah and even just like at the at the very basic standpoint of you know the fans will be much happier if they go into game four up to one rather than down two one because yeah, imagine they lose game three and then game four doesn't start very well philly's fans are not going to be super loud like any team any fan base is going to be sitting there shitting bricks very unhappy very you know nervous you're paying that much money to go watch your, your favorite team finally make it that far but I, I guess we have to give the Phillies credit regardless of what happens because they've already done better than the Yankees did they've already done better than the Mariners did we're, we're talking you can't do any worse than the other two teams did but you know you win one of the first two um anything can happen I think we're gonna really I hope we're gonna talk about a six or seven game series at the end of this um, come next week. Uh, I feel like there's always the fear in the back of your head that the Astros could very well just go out there and dominate them a couple games in a row because yeah. the Astros have done that all all year. That gets everybody they've played, it's even the though, last five years, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, yeah, Astros. Because, you know, realistically, the baseball. Just realistic, world, though. You're but right. The, it, it's tough, man. It, it's tough to sit here and watch the Astros be so dominant. And again, you know, you talk about it. We talk about it frequently on here. Like, the Astros have done it so well. They lose all these guys. We're talking about a team that doesn't even have, like, the star players from their last run. It's just it's primarily different. And they're still – they're better than they were when they were making the run. How is that happening?
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I look at the starting pitching for sure, and even a guy like Jeremy Peña, I mean, what an addition he has been this year filling in for Carlos Correa and almost being more productive than he uh, you know, has been for the Astros. So Peña's been absolutely unbelievable for the Astros, and that just kind of goes with your theme that they just are such, you know, elite at developing talent, uh, one way or another. They just always seem to find guys that can fill in for him in good spots, make smart, logical trades, um, you know, getting a guy like Tre Mancini, we see Mauricio Dubon out there at different times guys they acquired in season so uh, they're just well managed well coached strong player development they're just a good team and it sucks to say but um, you know here they are again
0: just three wins away from another world series absolutely Uh, from there you know obviously we don't have a whole lot to talk about outside of baseball and football hockey the season just started you know us we're not going to talk about early season hockey or basketball probably unless something crazy happens Uh, realistically, there is one topic that I want to touch on, RK, that you're not prepared for, and it's the Chicago Blackhawks being half-decent. Last year, I came in the year saying the Chicago Blackhawks were going to be half-decent. They were half-decent for a little bit, and then it fell off. So I was right and then wrong. The Blackhawks, they're 4-3-2 this year, and they're really fine, okay? We talked about them a couple weeks ago as being maybe the worst team in hockey. So uh, if you've seen anything out of this team, you're seeing potential Breakthroughs they took the wild to a shootout last night, which was very interesting. They played a pretty good game, given the fact that you know Alex Stalock, you know somehow managing to just just step in there and play well against everybody he's played against so far this year. Uh, the Blackhawks are not going to be a great hockey team, but you have to you have to admit a little bit at least like this is a step up from where you expected they would start, right.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. And it's nice to see. um, I think you would prefer obviously to see like your younger players, you know, stepping up in a situation like this, but it's kind of some of the veterans that um, they have that are on expiring deals that have been good. Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiou were kind of their two big, uh, you know, big in quotes, but the free agent ads that they had, and both of them have looked really good. Athanasiou had an absolutely just filthy goal (laughs) against Matt Dumba uh, this weekend. That was absolutely disgusting. So that was a really good goal and and fun to see. And Domi has been pretty productive as well uh, for them in in sports. so I think the fours have been good. Still not sold on the defense. Uh, you know, it's definitely had its ups and downs. I still don't love seeing Jake McCabe back there. I've uh, just never been a really big fan of his game. And you mentioned like Alex Stalock and that. I don't know how long that's gonna work out for, but I guess he's been okay to this point. They've been able to win games. So uh very, very tempered on how long this will last for the Blackhawks, but to their credit, they have been playing, you know, hockey so far this year and it's been going okay. So uh credit to the Blackhawks for exceeding expectations here uh, just through nine games
0: you know, before we end this up, you have to admit, like, it's at least kind of nice to see Jonathan is performing. It's kind of nice to see Jonathan Tays out there scoring goals. He's leading not the team out. in goals. He's got five already, which yeah. is crazy. I don't know if Jonathan Tays had five goals all last year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously he did, but a, a very tough, uh, sure. tough start offensively for him last year. So it's nice to see. Outside of that, I, not a whole lot to talk about. We will touch on, uh, probably end up touching on hockey and basketball a little bit more next week once we have some things going on. We're only eight or nine games of the season. Um, you know, just just wanted to you know ignore basketball completely because the Lakers are really bad. It's always a tough time to start off the season uh, when your team is, is embarrassing. The Lakers are an embarrassment to the society, uh, to Los Angeles sports fans, to uh, anybody that has anything to do with or organization. Shame on you. Uh, but outside of that, RK, anything else you want to touch on before we ended up this week?
1: No, I don't think so. It's been a uh, it's been a fun uh, you know week of sports as uh, you know things have come and gone. Donnie got to visit me at a uh, Colgate women's hockey game. Okay, and also our uh, our friend Dan who uh, came by for a game against Princeton this weekend. That was obviously really good to see and uh, whatnot. So uh, yeah, lots going on in uh, in sports and women's hockey and in baseball. And uh, so it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, We appreciate everybody, of course, for for tuning into this one and uh, excited to get into some World Series recaps next week. More football talk hopefully we get a little bit more hockey and uh, basketball developments um, with a couple more surprises um, you know that maybe we didn't necessarily foresee coming uh as things continue to go but it's been a good show uh we appreciate everybody again and the podcast folks you guys are of course the best shout out to check west coming on our podcast next week you guys got to come back and tune in for that one of course but um well on that note we will sign off here thanks guys again and i uh, hope you guys all have a great rest of your day
0: peace everybody peace couldn't get better. This
1: gon' be